Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Five rounds down, and I'm still not getting any better at the tips, bro. No, me either. Me either. But what am I, one ahead of you? You're one ahead. Yeah. We both got four again. I've basically gone four, five, five, five every week. Oh, I thought I'd worked it out. I thought I'd had a four mine. uh, Yeah, perfect round last week, but this week pretty ordinary. So uh, apologies to Manly fans. I said it last week. If they won, I'd apologise. Yep. There's your apology, and that's about all you'll be getting from me. There's been a few messages in the inbox already about that. No death threats, though. No death threats, not yep. yet. I think, uh, like I said, I think... Come and, come and get me. They, they, they wouldn't know where Penrith is, mate. Nah, but possibly a few of them stopped listening after the first few years of hostility, I think, but oh well. Don't think so. Nah. I think they love it. They're lurking in the shadows. I think they might just be waiting to see if this continues for a little bit longer, that's all. Yeah, don't go off too early. Hmm. But uh, Gossip, he's straight ahead again. And just before we kick off today, Gossip will not be joining us. He is back in Thailand rehab, trying to clean up his act after Penrith's loss on the weekend to Melbourne. He's been on the Terps since Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, we only got contact today by uh, Carrier Pigeon. He couldn't even text or call. so He's out of control. Hopefully he can clean himself up by next week, mate. Get well. Stay off uh, the Peroni, the old bathwater. And, uh, yeah, not a good time for gossip this week, but kicking things off, we'll start with our set of six. Our first question, tackle one. Cameron Smith, most wins ever by any player. Um, your thoughts? Well, it surprised me. It come up. It seemed to come up quick. Like, it doesn't seem that he's been around that long. But, uh, you know, how many minor premierships? Well, they haven't won a lot of minor premierships, to be fair, but... They're always relevant. They've missed the eight once, and that was only as a result of the salary cap scandal. So it's not surprising that he's the most winningest player ever, and he's still got a little bit of a way to go to catch up to be the most cap player ever, but well-deserved, I think. And it's probably a testament, as he said in the press conference, to the club and the players around him. They've just had... It's a dynasty. It is a, it is a dynasty, what they've got down in Melbourne. Yeah, and that was probably more what I wanted to touch on. Not only a massive congratulations to him and anyone who says he's not deserving, you're absolutely crazy. Uh, he's a middle forward. He makes 50 tackles a week. He's not the biggest bloke on the planet, and he's always a couple of steps ahead, uh, a couple of steps ahead mentally. But um, I think he highlighted what I was trying to think of, that they have three players in the top 10 for most wins ever for a club that's only been around for 20 years. Yeah, that's... So the actual club crazy. itself, the Melbourne Storm, uh, their success, the culture... The players, everybody that walks through there, just everything about the club. But I think highlighting that point hit me more hard than any that rugby league's been around for 100-plus years and that the Melbourne Storm, uh, besides, I think, the Titans maybe, be the youngest club. And yeah. there's obviously, I know the West Tigers merge, etc. But, yeah, if you want to go off that, probably only the Titans younger at this point in time. They have three players. Younger in terms of a, 
any sort of history. Yeah, but as far as yeah, the club's been there, they have three players already in the top two thousand. I think ninety ninety eight was Melbourne. Two thousand were the mergers, West Tigers and St George Illawarra. Yep. But yeah, not only winning a premiership second season, three players top ten, you know, most wins all time. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, uh, great by him. Tackle two foreigns return. We've obviously spoke about the off field issues, uh, a lot happening there. Stuff with his partner, the betting, uh, where his heads well, it's at. Still, it popped up again yesterday, didn't it? Contracts. Bloody, he's talking to Sydney clubs. He's already coming back. Should he stay in New Zealand? And he finally got on the field yesterday after two shoulder reconstructions and then blowing a tyre last week with his hamstring. Your thoughts? Well, there was also the news yesterday that he was his phone was seized last week while he, and he was questioned by New South Wales Police yep. in relation to his relationship with Eddie Hayson. So there's still a little bit of mud sticking to Foran's reputation. But, look, I think the reason we've got him in here is because it's just good to see him play. Just play and shut up now and, and do what you're paid to do and play well and... And then you look on NRL Gossip this afternoon and there's reports that he's going to meet with the Bulldogs in two weeks. Yeah. No. So he just can't he can't seem to keep his nose clean off the field and just focus on the football. It's it's frustrating. And it just seems like he's just got in the habit of now being mooted and revolved around in stories off the field. So it's going to be difficult for him to remove himself from that. But I guess the better you play on the field, the more the focus will shift to the field. Well, I think the number one thing, he was pretty good on the weekend. Uh, I think he brought them uh, that bit of direct play that they needed, a fair bit of aggression. Uh, but the question, again, that I have, and I said it a couple of years ago, I was not only would be worried about the two shoulder reconstructions, but those hamstrings seemed to be a constant issue when he was at Manly, missing patches. So the fact that he already pulled it last week, and he's off the double shoulder echo, and he's got these off-field problems, um, I want more want to see him put together at least a month, six weeks of football before we hear anything mm. as far as off-field or what's going on with next year. I was surprised he played yesterday, to be fair, with well, the hamstring the week before. Exactly, because like we said, uh, I've had a bit of mine taken out for the ACL graft, and generally if you pull it, it doesn't feel good, mm. and you've had one before as well, and any kind no, of strain. I, I, didn't have a, I didn't tear it, but just a little tweak, and it still twinges now. Like It's still not 100% now, so mm. there they are. They're just... Injuries you don't want to get because they can become chronic. And mm. you know what? Mine flares up now because I go on 14-kilometer runs and I don't stretch. Mm. That's probably why it flares up. Probably. So, that's a good idea. You know, that, yeah, that's more down to me, not not the injury itself. But they are painful injuries, and, they're, and they're, you should be looking after them. Yeah, well, he's had chronic issues with his over you know previous seasons. He's missed a lot of football because of his hamstring. So. But I'm also not a professional footballer, so I can do what I want. Yeah, exactly, and he is. But uh, I hope he just continues to play like he did on the weekend because I thought his return was good, but don't really want to hear anything about contracts and off-field stuff anymore. Tackle three, the Manly and Dragons turnaround. Obviously, two teams, uh, we had them both fairly low down the totem pole. Um, starting off pretty strong. Well, Manly started off quite poorly. You wouldn't have expected this after their first two games, especially the South result where they had a lead and they blew it. Mm. Uh, but the last three weeks, they've been quite ruthless and probably the biggest rap I can give is they're one of the, one of the few teams who I look at and they've got some talent, but I don't think they have a whole heap of talent, but they're a team. They're ripping in for each other. They're doing all the little things, their attitude. Uh, anytime there was an error, anytime that was like uh, something positive, they all come into a group. There was a real, real group mentality. This was Manly or the Dragons? That's Manly. Manly, to yeah. start I, I think they're both, they look similar. They look very similar in the way, not so much that they're playing, but defensively they're both defending really hard. Um, and they're very different. I, I don't know whether I'm sold yet on Manly. And I know that sounds a little bit weird because they've beaten the Roosters and they beat the Cowboys, but... It's more a depth issue with Manly. I don't know whether 
they can sustain this sort of form if they sustain some injury. So if, I think if Manly stay fit and healthy and they can continue to play like this, they're a definite top eight side. They're yeah. going to finish in the eight. My question lies if, you know, if DCE gets picked for origin or Walker gets picked for origin, uh, Tom Trebojevic, or if they get an injury to one of those guys, particularly Cherry Evans, whether they are going to be able to play finals football. I, I don't think so. So... But, I mean, the issue, the reason I left them out last year was because I, Dylan Walker at six I didn't think would work. And the start of this year, it didn't look like Blake Green was going to work at six either. It just it didn't seem to be clicking, and they were pretty ordinary. They got lapped um, by South there on, at, at Brookvale. So, yeah, look, I think Manly, oh, I'm still not sold on them, but I, I am sold on the Dragons in the fact that they're defending really well. They're playing hard. I think they do have depth for Dragons. They look like they've got a bit of depth in their forward pack. Cameron McInnes is playing solid. Uh, obviously, Dugan's injury is going to be a concern because I still think they, they, you know, they might be the number one attacking side at the moment, but t- t- teams aren't anywhere near their best at the moment in terms of attacking football. So I think later in the season that might still be an issue for the Dragons. And I said that, I think I said that last week that, yeah. you know, they're going to have to be mm-hmm. able to produce later in the season against defences that have improved and you want to hope that their attack can improve. I'm still not sold on, you know, a side making the finals with Josh McCrone or going... Going deep any, in the finals. Any, yeah, any sort of distance. And I want to see that, you know, the reason I'm giving Manly the tick of approval, they're beating the Roosters. And I know it was on a wet track, but that's all we can go off. They, they still beat them. That's, hard, I don't that's think, a harder game to win with a Ford pack. Yeah, and I don't think Manly... Oh, I don't think the Roosters were great, but that doesn't matter. Manly beat the Roosters. Yeah. Uh, and Manly went up to North Queensland and beat the Cowboys. I know they didn't have Tal Malolo and Scott, you know, but that is what it is. That form's on the board. The Dragons, on the other hand, I think they've had an easier run than what Manly have. So I want to see them run into a Melbourne, a Roosters... You know, a top four well, side before I get too carried away with them. But their forward pack's going as good as any, the Dragons. Yeah, and we speak of those two teams. They play this week at Manly. So it will get a real gauge uh, of how they're both going. Well, the other thing probably um, before we move on is that this is what Des Hasler should be doing. Paul McGregor's obviously gone and done a little bit of work over the off-season and tried to change their you know, their identity of their team and tried to change things up and... You know, in order to get a result. So has Trent Barrett, I think, to a degree. Mm. Des Hazel hasn't done that, and that's the reason why he finds himself in the same position year after year after year. Yeah. So and probably probably a lesson well, for Des that he could, he could learn. What the Dragons are doing is what we've been asking the Bulldogs to do for the last three seasons because their spine isn't awfully creative, and everyone, like we said last week, is giving him a pass mark. He bought those players. He wanted those players. Well, exactly. Have a look at the Dragons' spine and tell me that you can't get... You know, their spine isn't as good as the Bulldogs. No, the only real yeah, key player, like we said in there, was Widdock when he moved there. And again, he struggled without a general number seven, a decent nine, or a fullback. But he struggled the last couple of years. But as long as they have ruck speed, time and space, he's going to look great, which he has. He's kicked well. He's running a little bit more. He's got a bit of confidence back. And he threw a couple of nice passes on the weekend. It was probably his best game. But yeah. if, as long as they got time and space and ruck speed and they're doing it off their big forward pack, they'll be fine. And yeah. they get great help in yardage because they've got big outside backs. But they're playing to their strengths and adapting. So many coaches get stuck to this bullshit that, oh, I've got a system, my system works. That's Hazel's problem. He's too stubborn, he's got his head too far up his own ass to change uh, from this system that got him to a grand final. You don't have the same cattle, buddy. Ben Barber's not your fullback anymore. Everybody's picked up on the fact that your, bro- your forwards can pass the football. Mm. It doesn't work. You've got a massive side, destroy teams through the middle, generate ruck speed, tell Leisha to do what you bought him to do instead of just dishing off the floor, run like he used to. All these little bits and pieces that just make no sense at all. Reynolds and Bly 
both sixes, if you want them to exceed at all in your system, generate ruck speed. Yeah. Don't ask them to organise because they can't. They couldn't organise you know what in the broth. All right, I've got you. Uh, right. I've got you on a dog's rant. Yeah, I always get on a dog's rant. But right. touching on those two, I'm probably sold on both. Maybe being in the bottom end of the eight. Uh, but again, I'm with you on Manly. I commentate the New South Wales Cup. I look at their team, the workers. It's been touched on the last few weeks that why they've been stubborn so far. Are they running last? Yeah, but they have the lowest amount of full-time players like they have yeah. most years. So it was touched on the weekend. I watched them yesterday because they were the game before the Titans. Yeah. And they, they look pretty ordinary. Maximum, I think they said last week, the most they can get on the field is six full-time players compared to most clubs. Like when I do a Mounties game, they have 13 full-time players. Um, you're talking about other sides at NRL fed clubs. They've got double digits. Even, so. Yeah, talk about Illawarra. Yeah, well, I did North Sydney, who have been very dominant again this year. Same deal. They've all got double digits, so I think you're right about depth. I think their spine is as good as it is at the moment, as long as their forward pack keeps chipping in, which was my big issue. I wasn't sold on... And also Tepau. suspensions as well. Yeah, well, Tapao's yeah. consistency, Fanua Blake. We saw what happened when they had no front rowers the other week. They got dominated by South. They did. And I will give credit where credit is due. I'm not a big fan of Curtis Sirenen. Frank Winterstein's a bit older, and I question both their back rowers, but at the moment, they're not doing too bad a job. Mm. Um, but main thing, like we said, is as a team... At the moment, there doesn't seem to be anyone who's playing above somebody else or not doing their job. They're all pulling their weight. Yeah. They're giving weight for that spine, which, like we touched on before, is probably going to be good moving forward, but they need a few more pieces. Right, too much on Manly. Yeah, and Dragons, uh, same deal. Forwards, that, as long as they keep things simple, I think things will be right for their halves, especially Widop, who is the key. How's Vaughn feeling when you told him that you're going to finish second last and now he's up the top? Has he, has he sent you a text message? I'll or? make this awkward for all the fans out there. Dinner? I spent New Year's with Vaughn and Jared Kennedy, who moved to Manly, and we literally had this conversation before. They said, well, how do you reckon we'll both go next year? And I was like, you want me to be honest? And they were like, yeah. I said, I think you guys will come second last and you guys will come third last. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty hard to pretty hard to say to two of your friends. But yeah, we still had a good time at New Year's. No one wanted to kill me. Well, that's probably because they're not Manly fans. Oh, I don't know. JK has to be a Manly fan now. Well, he is now, yeah. And Vaughn at the Dragons, a different story. Saw him play yesterday, too. Jared, mm. playing cup. Yeah. Bit of a different role. I saw him play last week. He's playing lock. He was playing on the edge for Mounties and I thought was close to, if not the New South Wales Cup player of the year Yeah, uh, the last year. But again, like I said, they have the least amount of full-time players in their squad, so he's playing a different role. Yeah. Um, the captain's actually, remember Brendan Atwood? Yeah, yeah, Former yeah. Panthers yeah. 20s player. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what happened to him because I heard there was interest when he finished up in the 20s, but he's actually the captain out there at work. And uh, another one I saw, Everett Verassi. Well, I played with at Dommies. Big Everett. Everett's back playing. He went back to A-grade for a couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say, he was playing at uh, A-grade St. Clair. Yeah. yeah, he's back there. So there's a few uh, Penrith boys over at Blacktown. But yeah. Uh, I must say, they put an effort in, but yeah, it's a lot harder when you're playing full-time guys, when you've got a lot of guys that are working and doing other bits during the week. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, moving on from that, from tackle three, tackle four, I've come to the conclusion, I've already said it before, but I'm going to say it again after what I've seen on the weekend and just everything going on. Tedesco must leave. Has to. He wow. can't stay. Yeah, I tend to agree. If I'm him, I'm out of there. If the Roosters are chasing me, I'm gone. I, Catch you, baby. The Cleary thing, when everyone's bringing that up, and they, none of that makes a difference to me. The place is a basket case. I know he's grown up with those two and he's played juniors with them, but I'm looking at Moses, I'm looking at Brooks. I'm, you are holding the club to hostage. The only one offering that money is them, like you spoke of. I've heard that mm-hmm. all those other offers are less than, so yeah. they're not going to go. Um, but from my own personal point of view, if I'm Tedesco, I've seen enough over the last couple of seasons to suggest we're not getting any better. Woods is probably the only one who's okay, but again, I still don't rate him to the level that other people do. Yeah. Who are we attracting? Who are we bringing in? How long is it going to take with Cleary? That's that's more than bringing in one or two players and fixing the problem. They just let the under-20s kid I was talking about, Paseca, go to Manly on a free walk. I have no idea why. 
Um, it's, there's going to take a lot more. And then people are saying, who can they sign? Well, they've bought McQueen before he's even got there. So I'm not a fan of clubs signing people or bringing people in without even speaking to the coach because that was happening before Cleary was brought into the picture. So yeah. if I'm Tedesco, the Roosters are even close to the money, which they will be, if not more, I'm out. That's not even – it's a no-brainer. More particularly, though, because I look at the halves and if they're going to get paid overs to stay there, it affects what else you can bring into the club. And even the Bulldog situation, to be honest, I reckon that's better um, because you know they've got the money and they can turn, change things pretty quickly. And then the Dragons apparently rocked up the other day. With that forward pack, Ben Hunt going there, and if he went there instead of Dugan, if they want a board player, I see all three situations better than staying at the Tigers in the short term and in the long term. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to argue with any of that. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer. They all no play brainer. finals before Tigers, in my opinion, as well. You agree with that? They do. So that's what he wants to do. He wants to win games. He wants to play finals. The best of all those options, the Roosters. I think the ace up the Tigers' sleeve is they now have a good coach. They do have a good coach. That's an ace up their sleeve. I think the turnaround is going to be too slow to get into a position to win a comp, first of all, let alone play finals. So mm. um, see just, what happens I, there. Just I uh, think it probably depends on how deep the roots are at the Tigers, you know, if if they if it's only short routes and it's easy to pull out, isn't it? But well, you, you heard you know, the if talk. it's a longer route, it's it's a harder one to, to yank out of there and, and take him somewhere else. You heard the speak the other day though, and he seemed like he wanted to say something, but he didn't. But he brought up winning, and uh, obviously it's wearing thin on him. Even though they've had injuries and they've stayed patient with him at the same time, um, he's exploded into a rep player. He's a top level bloke, and if he goes anywhere else, he's going to be winning games and playing finals football. But yeah, I don't know if he's going to be playing too many finals games over the next few years if he stays where he is. Um, People may get angry and say he's taking the easy option, but he's a player. That's his choice. He gets to move where he wants. Um, if they're not going in the right direction, he has the right to leave. I already would have signed. I already would have gone. But that's just me. Uh, tackle five. Speaking of the dogs I just mentioned, Hasler apparently gets two years. I'm a bit confused. First, he was getting fired. Now he's hired. They have a board meeting the day of the game. People are saying, were they there to fire him? Did the Broncos' result change anything? Mate, what a mess. Well, it is, yeah, a, a real mess, and it's hard to know where they go. But apparently two more years, and they won't announce it until they got a win, which they did. We haven't heard it yet. Do they wait this week? They're playing That's Newcastle. Where do they go? What do they do now? So if they win, they beat Newcastle. If they get a couple of wins, do they announce it? Oh, what's, I'm confused. Oh, you... I don't know. It, it, to me, this is why I don't think coaches should be talking contracts I get it. I get it for why coaches would want to talk contracts after they've won a few games, like like what's happening to Mary McGregor at the moment. Yeah. If I'm the Dragons, there's no absolutely no way I'm signing him to an extension at the moment. No, I wait until no after way. Origin. I want to see the whole season. I want to see what happens throughout the whole season because too often you see uh, teams rush and like it's not like another club's rushing to sign Paul McGregor. No. Do you know what I mean? Not. So you know the uh, the the Dragons are in a position there where you know. They've got a little bit of leeway, and so does he to but, a degree. But this one with the Bulldogs, I don't, I don't get why why teams negotiate with coaches before during a season. Yeah, it well, either needs to be sorted before the year, and you play the year out, or you sort it after the season. And if you're a coach, ideally, you don't want to be dealing in the last year of your contract because more often than not, it's a you make the eight, you keep your job, you don't, you're out. Yeah, more more often than not. So if you're a good negotiator, you've got a good manager as a coach. You should never be in the last year of your deal. No. And I think Des Hazard currently is. Is that right? Yeah, but that's because last year they laid conditions down for top four or bust and all right. these so things. So if I'm Des Hazler, no. I, I get why there's a push. Mm. You know, and, and particularly if they win this week, I'm pushing and saying, right, and he's probably now, 
a little bit in a, in a harder situation because the Tigers' job's been filled. So he can't sort of say, well, I'm going to go to the Tigers if you don't give me yay, you know? like, And particularly when Barrett and McGregor are going, well, it looked like they may be potential vacancies. So it's every week the landscape changes. And at the moment, if I'm Des Hasler, I'm ramping my side up to win this weekend, hopefully. And then, and this is what I mean, this is, this is no good for the Bulldogs to be short-term, playing short-term, because Des is trying to get a new contract. Yeah. This isn't good for the team as a, as a holistic view of the season. No. And my other issue, again, you've just mentioned it about the Dragon situation. You know the other reason I'm not panicking to sign someone like Paul McGregor? Who's out there? The best coach just got taken. The yeah. only one that was available who you'd look at and go, that's who I'm getting, is Ivan Cleary, which is another reason why I don't think the Bulldogs are in a situation, unless they could have snuck under the guard there and stole him, yeah. where they have to extend it. I just wait. Because who's on the market right now? No one's been sacked. The guys that have been spoke about getting sacked are not people you'd hire immediately. If anything, there's going to be a new coach getting a job. And if I'm the Dragons, the roots probably run deep to Jason Demetrio, who went to the Broncos. And I'm sure if they were going to ring somebody, because it probably would be a new coach because there's no one else out there, he'd probably be the first person they call if they were going to give someone a new uh, a new coach a crack at the title. Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm just waiting. But uh, the Hazlitt situation in Canterbury is no clearer, but that's what I heard on Friday. That's the, apparently what's happening. They're waiting for another win now, maybe back-to-back wins to... Kind of put it out there, but all in all, I just think that's very confusing. But the last one, spoke about it, Cleary, three and a half years, um, obviously a good thing. But for Cleary, I still think this is a job I would have steered clear of. That's just my opinion. I don't know if he's going to have a win keeping all four. Do you want to keep all four? No, I don't think so. But I think there's way too much bullshit attached with this job. I think too many club legends, especially Benny Elias, He's just talked absolute smack about West and this and that when he's probably half the reason that Balmain lost their side of the, the venture, been involved in the business side of that and been involved in the league club. But then you've got Sirenin saying, you know, payback's a bitch just because your son's name Sirenin, mate. He doesn't have the right to play at the Tigers. And to be honest, he's been an average first grader. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just way too much bullshit that surrounds this job. I hope they're going to give him full control. I'm sure they will give him full control. But I just don't think I want to be attached to the Tigers, if I'm clear. I, I would have waited, but that's just me. But he's taking it now. Yeah, can he fix I, it? I can see why he's taking the job. I, uh, I know he can now fix it. That looks like Des is going to get a new deal. Those other vacancies don't look like they're going to become available. Uh, apart from probably the Warriors, you just don't know what they're going to do week to week in terms of performance, and also what the board and uh, you know the hierarchy there are thinking in terms of the coach. But look, for me, I get it. I I think he'll do a good job there. You know, if, if you were going to back him, if I was going to say yes or no, will he be a long-term coach at the Tigers, I'd say yes because I've worked with Ivan and I've seen his methods. I respect him immensely as a coach and the programs and the way that he developed the juniors at Penrith, a lot of what's coming through there now is as a result of both Phil Gould and Ivan Cleary's uh, methods in terms of their junior development programs, etc., 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 now, Ivan also had a good record at the Warriors with junior development. He had a lot of teams there come under his tutelage, or not under his tutelage, but under his time at the Warriors, they won numerous under-20s competitions. Yep. So I think from that perspective, in the demographic that the Tigers are in, that's gonna that, that's really attractive, but I also think he's been proven. He's got the Warriors to a grand final. He's probably the only successfully tenured Warriors coach outside of Daniel Anderson, and he's... You know, if you look over the history of the Penrith Panthers for the last, you know, probably since John Lang, very similar to the Warriors, it's probably Ivan Cleary and John Lang who are the two that you would say are the most successful 
tenured Panthers coaches in the last 20 years. Oh, 100%. That job was up and down. So, look, time. I think from that perspective, it's a good signing. I think the Tigers, you know, it's, it's a lot better signing. Uh, you know, if they were going to punt JT, this is the best man on the market. They've got their man. They went early. Whatever you think about the whether they went early, late, you know, on, on Jason Taylor, that remains to be seen. But I think this is a good move. I think it's a good, they're, they're the winners here, surely. Mm. I get that, but I just think there's so much crap attached to it. I think he's one of these. Coaches. I just hope it's not the death knell of his career because if he That's if this I'm ends right. badly, you know, I still think he'll get another job. I think he'll get another job, but I just don't think this is the next job I would have taken. Mm. This is not a situation I think he needed to take. And uh, I don't want to throw too much petrol on the fire and whether he would have left Sydney. But if anything happened with the Gold Coast again, that's another oh, place. I, I would have loved to have had him on the Gold Coast. Another place I think he could do a half decent job, especially seeing his background in junior development and also knowing some younger players to probably poach and yeah. move to a club that doesn't have a whole lot of junior development. So mm-hmm. um, I know there's some juniors that have come through the tight. They kind of come through in droves, but I think it's been a couple of years. But um, I'm just sad this week to see that one of their best players has walked straight out the door free of charge with a contract going to be I don't know how they let that happen yeah. or you know you never know the full story was he undisciplined this that or the other was he angry he's not playing great straight away but it just seems very strange yeah. to re-sign him hype him up 20s player of the year and then five games in you you know this giant front row who's still 20s old was going to another club um, I'm confused yeah. I really am so I hope he can fix it Tigers fans but um, yeah I have my doubts and I just wouldn't have taken that job if I was him but you know Oh, God. Well, that's our set of six. We move on now to fan questions. Uh, it was a bit hard with the Twitter stuff. It got all a bit mixed up. I've tried to bracket it together like last week, but there will be a few at the end that maybe have been repeated. But things first, Sean Chan, he says, Cody Walker for Origin. I think we touched on this last week. I think he could play the bench utility role, but I think there's other guys I'd probably pick before I pick the utility half. He's in the mix. He's definitely in the mix, but... If it was going to be a genuine bench utility, uh, there's a few players I definitely like ahead of him. That's only because he's more of a half fullback kind of player. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's some guys that can cover halves and forwards that are probably better options. But uh, concussions popped up again. Uh, Ian Stanmore, he sent us one last week, but he's back in again. Simon Green's also set in here as well, saying, do you think uh, the substitute for the HIA concussion test rule is far off? Uh, I don't know. Well, the competition committee is meeting next month. Yep, well, there you go. So something may change there. And Ian Stanley, like I said, he was in last week, I'm pretty sure, but he's asking for 18th man again. Um, how is that going to work when all the clubs use the HIA to get an extra substitute during the match as it is? Uh, Warriors-Titans game on Sunday. Simpkins came up holding his lower back and the Titans t- trainer originally tapped for his head and then he changed his mind. And he's right. They said it was back spasms. So... Uh, People are still abusing it, generally with forwards, and we touched on this last week. When it's forwards, it's easy to do. When it seems to be key spine players or blokes that are hard to replace, uh, they'll push and do whatever they can to try and keep them on the yeah. field. So still a bit of a shady area there. Uh, salary cap, David Grasso, he's asking what happens if next year's cap is lower and clubs are projecting and signing players today. Watch the fire sale of players then. But what club would have room to fit anyone in? Well, a lot of people don't know. The AFL don't have a cap this year. Because they couldn't get past it done. The EBA. They couldn't get it done. Yeah. So that may happen in the NRL. I don't think it will. Uh, however, what will happen is that play. It's a it's a welfare issue. They can't be moving players late. They they can't be doing that. So if if there are oh the choo choo train. If oh, there um oh you, you bomb my train of thought. Look if the, if there are, if there's players there who are signed and are deemed to be the ones that are pushing the club over the salary cap, everyone will just have to take a percentage increase Yeah. based on what their percentage of the salary cap is. And, you know, everyone's just going to have to cop that. 
I get why the NRL is probably a little bit, uh, how do you say it, hesitant to, to raise it up so high because they just gone and got a $20 million loan last week, didn't they? Oh, How the hell are we know. getting a $20 million loan when we, when we apparently had a war chest yeah. and we apparently had a tomorrow fund and all this sort of stuff, but yet we're going to get a loan? Yeah, well, the other and we're just on the back of the biggest broadcast deal ever. A lot of people apparently are basing the salary cap or their contracts to guys that have gone early off $9 million, and that includes a lot of other bits and pieces. Well, at car, the moment, it's 8. Veterans 8. allowance, and the offer they've come back with this summer around 8.3. So people are already worried uh. that some of the deals that they've done may push them over. But if you're going to ask me who's got money, I think there's only one team we can all mention. And I tell you what, they'd be rubbing their hands together because there's probably a few blokes that would take the money. That's Newcastle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this may help them get a bit of a drain of two or three guys that they Good. may have not had a crack at. So. Good, and that's what should happen. That's what, And, you know, the Titans are another one. They've got a bit of money there. Uh, they obviously got Hayne. Well, and, if they flick Hayne, they'll certainly have some money. Uh, you know, and they, these are the sort of clubs who, for years, haven't been really able to, to sign anyone and get themselves up the table. They've had a good, you know, how do you call it, an average player roster. Yeah. You know, they've had a good side across the park, but without real superstars in key positions. And hopefully this does allow them the opportunity to sign one or two. Like, I know we're talking about Tedesco going to the Roosters, but you know it seems like the Roosters just get all all the star. Whenever there's a star off contract, they get it. Well, they always seem to be all discussions. the Warriors at the moment. The yeah. Warriors seem to be getting a lot of them as well. But the other thing is the Roosters are constantly linked to every player, regardless of whether they've got some in that position. That's I think the that's funny a managerial. Yeah, I, I get that too. But you just always hear their name. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. But Shannon Fennick on similar thing for. Contracts, he's saying, do players dictate positional preferences within their contract or should they be allowed to, mainly in reference to players leaving clubs, believing they'll receive a full-time position, only to be undercut by a marquee signing, e.g. Braley, Seguiara, Mandugan. Mm. Well, it depends what position you're in. Yeah. If, if you're a lesser-known player, you don't really get to dictate what situation you're in. If you're a big-time player, like, say, Jack Bird, who's going to bring up the moment, he's asking for fullback money, Sharks are saying Holmes is a fullback. Then he's saying, I want to play 5-8. Is that a possibility? Yeah, maybe, but Maloney's still there. But realistically, if I'm the Sharks, I'm telling him you probably play Locke next year when Gallon's gone, play that free roving role, because I wouldn't park him at centre for his whole career. I think he's a player that should be getting more well, football. This is a double-barrel question. Mm. Do they dictate position? Do they dictate it? Of course they do. Yeah. Should they? No. If you're no. a strong leader within a club, you can't tell me that any player down in Melbourne's holding a gun to Craig Bellamy's head and saying, I'm playing here, I'm not signing. They you know what flipped. he said to him? No. See you later. Get out. And that's the reason why they're uh, they're in the position they are. And the, I think the Roosters are very similar. I think Brisbane are very similar in the fact that they can get players coming in or, in or out. Now, let's flip it. Let's talk about Newcastle, the Titans, Tigers. This is, you know, to get a player, you may have to say, yeah, mate, well, you yeah. can come here and you can play there. You're going to play this. You're going to do that. You look at what happened with, uh, with Hayne last year. David Mead was by far and away, in my opinion, the better fullback, in a lot better form. As soon as Hayne got to anywhere near his fitness, Meads out and Haynes at fullback, and I think to the detriment of the Titans, but that would have been a part of his deal. Yeah, definitely playing fullback. And speaking but of, it hurts the side. Speaking of why you mention it, I read a bit of an interesting piece last week that Mead might be going back to the Titans. I hope so, because so, he's he was probably my favourite player last year at the his, Titans. His uh, Brisbane moves backfired. Moga took one spot, which then pushed someone else to the wing, so apparently he's not very happy. Um, but yeah, he might have learned his lesson because he was trying to bite off more than he could chew, I think, money-wise, for a bloke who only played a handful of games at fullback. Good or not, he went in heavy for cash, then said he had rugby options, which obviously backfired. So yeah. this may end up being a double-edged sword that works out well for the Titans, but... Thanks for your question, mate. Uh, Tigers and Cleary, a few people in on this. As you'd imagine, James Hughes, uh, there's Kev on Twitter. 
which players should be recruited to rebuild the club. Um, you know, well that again, that's a hard one. They've got to start with the four. I'd only keep Woods and Tedesco, the two halves. I wouldn't keep unless they were down. And then from that onwards, I don't really know who's off contract this year, but I'm sure Cleary would do a good job. McQueen's obviously on his way there, but uh, who would you buy? That's, I suppose, the real question. They need a complete revamp, but I think the more important thing is what I touched on before. Juniors leaving. You need strong juniors. I think, look, the first, the first port of call, sign Tedesco. Yep. That is the first port of call. Forget about the other ones. I, I think the two for me would be I'd be happy to let Woods go. Um, you know, I, I think he's a good player, solid player, but I, I think they've got enough depth to cover that. And I, I personally think that you can buy a player similar to him from somewhere else, okay? I, I think you need to keep one of the halves. The half I would keep is Moses. So for me, I'm keeping, I'm keeping Moses and I'm doing all I can to sign Tedesco. You've got young Jacob Little there who's going to be a really good nine in the future. He's going to have to develop a little bit. So that then just leaves me one hole in my spine where Ivan Cleary can go and get a, maybe a Tyrone May or someone of that mould to fit in with Moses. I think Moses needs even... Not, I don't think they need Jeff Robson, but they need a Jeff Robson-type player to go with Moses because at the moment, Brooks doesn't take control. Mm. And Moses is he's always trying to overplay his hand. And I know you don't he's he's not a very good defender. But I think I think Cleary will make him accountable for his defence. He'll drop Ivan Cleary will drop Mitchell Moses if he's defending the way he has in some of the games where you've gone off your, your clacker about it. My problem you need is, to be accountable yeah, for it if you're a first grader exactly. and he will make him accountable. I think Ivan can make I think he can make Brooks and Moses both better footballers, but he's not gonna pay the money that they're asking. No. I think he'll he'll pay for one. He'll do everything he can to keep Tedesco, keep Little, and then work with these young forwards and young outside backs and pick up a player, a value player here here or there if he can, and hopefully sign someone to, to complete that spine. And I think the, if that happens, the Tigers are a chance of making the eight next year. I honestly think that he'd do more for Brooks than he would for Moses. You reckon? I think yeah, Moses okay. is too erratic and eager. Again, forget the defensive side of the thing. I think you, you've just nailed, hit the nail on the head. I think he has no self-control. Uh, when he runs the football, he does look good, but third tackle kicks, scrubbers, the poor defense, he disrupts that edge. I think Brooks is more suited to someone like a Cleary, who's probably, he seems a bit quiet, a bit more withdrawn, not as confident. I think Cleary's better at whispering into the ears of players like that the need to be pushed a little bit more to find their edge and find a bit more confidence. But could he fix him? I'm sure he probably could as well, but um, with his, they're not going to be able to get that money. I'm mm. sorry. The money is the big thing for me. Who do they buy? I still like Tyron Roberts, so I can't really look at this right now and bring up a whole lot, but I'm sure there's moves you can make, and you hit the nail on there with one thing. If there's one thing this bloke knows how to do, it's manage a salary cap. Mm. So he'd be able to get value for a year or two. Why they make decisions and moves? Well, I don't know how common this is in other clubs. And, you know, obviously most of my time as a coach has been at Penrith, but they would have weekly salary cap meetings at Penrith Yeah. about, you know, how much is this player worth, where are we going, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that was a big thing that I know that was massive when Ivan was there. Yeah. Just because it's a week-to-week process. Values in players change and situations with players at different clubs change. And in order to manage that and get value for money constantly – that, that that's a week-to-week thing, not a year-to-year thing, where a lot yeah. of clubs just do it year-to-year. Yep, that's what on. James Hughes, touching on Tigers, could you please confirm Arab Woods is drastically overrated? I wouldn't even have him in the top 10 props at the moment. Well, I've seen the ruck defense, what I said last week. He gets caught up in there a lot. I, honestly, again, for the numbers you see, I think they're fraudulent. Um, he does try hard, that's fair enough, but I don't see him dominating tackles. I don't see offloads, uh, you know, quick play the balls. He gives away silly penalties. There's a lot of things like you said. I... 
they all have massive praise from the other thing that gives me the shits. No offense, everyone goes, oh, but he's such a good bloke. You can be a good bloke, that's fine, but I want to win football games. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of front rowers I'd buy before I buy Aaron Woods. So, yeah, that's my opinion. And funny as, mate, the page, he's saying basically what I touched on. He's clearly out of his mind. Obviously, he can fix recruitment on through issues. But what is it he can bring to the Tigers that will fix the board dramas, in-house issues, plaguing the club? Looks like it's a bit of an O-win situation he's agreeing to sign for. Well, I think that's touching more what I said earlier about outside influence, too many people, the bullshit. I think him and Pascoe will be really solid, and I hope yeah, that's the case, be. but I'm still worried. Yeah, I'm generally worried, but we'll see what happens. Josh Reed, people talking about rules, regulations, refs, all these kind of bits and pieces. He said he thinks he may have heard it on the podcast originally, but what do we think about a rule that uh, doesn't reset the count after a charge down? And also, what do you guys think about receiving team having to wait for the kick to travel 10 metres after a dropout off the kickoff or the kickoff? I think it might be a bit harsh for a receiving team to have to wait until the ball stops well, the flopping ball, around. The ball is, is not in play until it's gone 10. You can't... It's an illegal kick, and it's illegal for them to go and pick it up. They know that... The, don't make excuses for the players not knowing the rules. The rules are clear. The rules have been like that since I was six years old. So the, the rule... Don't, don't make excuses for the players not knowing the rules. That's what that, that does shit me at the moment. And the other one is where the players are running to the 20 to tap the ball. There's players in an offside position. Yeah, they don't penalise. They tap the ball. They don't penalise it. Well, I, I, I ran into Bill Harrigan at a function with MG probably 12 to 18 months ago, and I, I brought it up with him, and he said, you watch it closely, the referees don't blow time on. Otherwise, they have to penalise it. If he's blown time on, like whistled to yeah. restart a play, and they do it, he has to penalise them. Yeah. They don't. They say, wait, 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 blow yeah. it, and then they and then they do it. That's how, they get, that's how the referees get around it. Yeah. It's not the referee's job. They've got a hard, hard enough job as it is to coach the players the rules. Yeah. They need to know the rules. Well, um, we already said that. And it's nothing against what Josh has said. I, I get... Yeah. Get where he's coming from, but I think too often we want to make, we want to change the rules make it because easier. the players have looked stupid on the weekend. Yeah, but it's their job as professional footballers to know the rules. Yeah. Um, look, and it's it's a bit harsh for the receiving team to have to wait until the ball stops flopping around. Well, no, it isn't because they get the penalty. Yeah, the benefit is is you get a penalty ten meters out right in front. In the case of the Brisbane game on the weekend mm. uh, on Thursday night, massive, where Jordan Kahu goes and picks it up, massive brain snap by Kahu. And, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know what his excuse was. He obviously just doesn't know the rule. But the other thing, it's like, it's one thing, so it hasn't gone 10, like, do you attack it? If it gets closer to the 10 metre line, yeah, just don't touch it. But shield it, because you're allowed to be, your body is allowed to be inside the 10. Yeah. So you get yourself in, in between the opposition and the ball and follow the ball up, that's fine. As soon as it touches that line, you dive on it. Oh, that's what I didn't understand what James Roberts was doing. Standing in front of the ball, allowing the Bulldogs players to come forward, he should have got around behind the ball and blocked the Broncos, uh, the Bulldogs players from coming forward to it. Yeah. And then once it did cross the line, dive on it. Yeah, well, Andrew Pointer also touches on here that he's super confused about the penalty against him. I don't understand why, if the defensive team can't kick the ball at least ten metres, why can't the attacking team take advantage? Well, no. If, ever, if everyone was going to go short and you could just attack it, um, that uh, I don't know. It's pretty awkward. But no, I, well, I the, the, ball, the, the ball is not live until it's gone ten. Yeah, and we know because this... then you're opening Pandora's box in all kick restarts. You just kick it short one meter and pick it up. That's the problem. Basically, what we're saying. When well, you, think you could in that logic. No, but no, the defender could come and pick it up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you didn't have to go ten and they're allowed to play at it, 
it's basically just open which is, up Which wouldn't happen, but no. it's it'd just create more grey area. The rule is fine how it is. The players just need to know the rule. And you've meant, knocked it on the head. Honestly, I remember under sixes even knowing that rule with the tap-offs and bits and pieces. If yeah, there the was... players are obviously uneducated like they used to. I, mate, when I was coaching mod football and international football, all of my players every year would get a copy of the rule book. Yeah. It's an advantage to know the rules because and then you can bend them. If yeah. you don't know them, you can't bend them. Exactly. Chris France, what's your take on the referees this year? Players overstepping their mark at the player ball hasn't been picked up enough. Teams trying to get in front foot. Go back and play the ball where you were tackled. But my gripe with that is more the referees call one a game. Um, and I agree with you. If you want to step off the mark and shorten up the defensive line so the next bloke gets hammered, I'm fine with that my as well. My bugbear is that when they do that, is that they push the markers out from being square. And a lot of the time when they walk off the mark... You walk into me and, and whoever's next to me, we end up side by side. The referee pins us for not being square at marker. I think if you impede the markers by walking forward, wherever they end up is wherever they can play. They can play wherever they are. That's fine. I'm um, with you on and that. And then you get the players then playing the ball on the mark. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it is. It's rife in the game. The other one is watch every play the ball and see if the players yeah. are playing the ball with their foot. They don't put their foot They're not. It's ridiculous. And it's, it's as bad as it's ever been in the game. Yeah. Uh, Joel Williams, he's touched on the refs as well. Uh, they've stopped policing the cannibal tackle. He reckons he's seeing more and more. Yeah, they are. It's yeah, basically agreed. been left and alone. How are you going to... Like, it's very, very difficult to pick up every cannonball. Yeah. Everyone, you know, what are you going to do? Slow every tackle down and go, oh, he hit him just above the knee or he hit him just below the knee. Like, it's ridiculous. It should... If, if there's two men up top and, and the momentum of the tackle has been stopped, we just need to stop the third man coming in at all. Yeah, that's you, fine. you just can't unless it's a natural motion of a tackle. You can't have a third man come charging in. Easy. Well, the simple thing, and this is the answer all of it. It won't get brought up again until someone gets injured or Correct. stays down and gets angry about it. That's generally what always brings it back up again. But Patrick Rout, he hates seeing players slide in with their legs to stop a tackle, or stop a try. Uh, never gets picked up. Am I delusional in thinking there is a rule against this? Are players being taught to use their legs? Well, they're taught to slide in and do it, and. There is a rule against it. That was obviously brought up after Billy Slater got very, very good at doing it over a long period of time. I don't think they're taught to do it. I just think naturally they are trying to stop a try. They're going to do everything they can to stop a try. Yeah, I'm with you there. Bud Smoko on Twitter, he says, The forward pass tech, uh, will they not introduce it due to sheer embarrassment? Latrell Mitchell versus Penrith, Manly versus Roosters, it balances out the BS. Mm, I agree. There, there's been a few. There was another one, yeah, Latrell Mitchell, the one on Friday night. They need to read. They need to have something. It was ordinary. Yeah, there's some blatant ones that are getting let go. But on the dogs, a couple of ferns there. Daniel Holmes, Adam Bain, they're both asking about thoughts on Frawley uh, without reacting. His kicking game in poor conditions is pretty solid. He seems more organised. Does Des have a selection headache? Is it time to make some hard decisions? And Well, he does because you don't change a winning side. Daniel's asking about having two lefties because it doesn't. you don't see it very often. And similar rule, our thoughts on Frawley. I always liked Frawley in Cup. I thought he might get an opportunity. I thought Randolph Tormaga would have got first opportunity. But this is what we're talking about. They've got two sixes. They need a number seven there. When they did well with Reynolds, Hodkinson was there. Someone who can kick, make their tackles, do a solid job. But the real question here, and this probably links to the next person, which is Adam Stevens. Stevenson, I, was, I was about to say. Who's frustrated about Leisha. If they're going to move on from Leisha, and Reynolds is possibly going to get moved on, but he used to play nine, the move probably be made now well, to carry, move Reynolds to nine, carry Leisha, because you don't know if Reynolds is going to be know, able to play the full I would, I would carry and buy on the bench and then what I would do is move Reynolds into nine Leisha off Moses and buy on I'd play Frawley the whole 80 I'd start Leisha because I think Leisha's more solid defensively than what Reynolds is well he definitely makes his tackles um, no and that. then what I would do is yeah I'd, I'd probably yank him after 20 minutes put uh, Moses and buy on because I think he's the weakest defender of a lot of them put him on 
move Josh Reynolds into nine and move uh, and buy straight into six. Well, That's other, how I'd do it. The other thing I've been bringing up, which frustrated me, and I heard it the other day. Obviously, people have been Kane and Michael Leeshaw, you know, absolutely shredding. Look, I'm him. not. I'm not. No, he's the greatest fan, and I haven't been the entire time. But I think he defends well. Yeah, he does. And I'm not well. sure whether it's a style issue at the dogs but or whether it's the fact that he just he's not up to it Josh Reynolds basically said exactly what I've been saying the whole time about the other day about all these threats and stuff that he's been copping on social media and even their own fans going after him that did anyone ever think when they complained about stop. the fact that he used to be a runner and this and that that he's been told to do a certain job and this is exactly what I said about I also Ennis think his body there. shape doesn't suit running anymore he's, he's got too big he's, he doesn't he's have big. that leg speed anymore but I just think, again, like I said before, if he went to a place like the Tigers or someone that likes to play up temper, I'm not saying he's going to be an origin player or a world better, but I think I'd see the bloke that I watched come through. He's almost lost at the moment, identity-wise, as to what he used to be as a nine. Yeah. He used to love running, love getting guys pushing through. He was a tri-sneak. He was double digits most seasons. That's why there was such big raps on him. But yeah. he's been told, and it's exactly what we've talked about before, and he mentioned it the other day. It's basically been confirmed by one of his own teammates. He's been told, this is your job. Do your job. If he didn't do his job, he wouldn't be there. Yeah. So obviously they're happy, or Des is happy with what he's doing, but I have a problem with it because don't buy that player when he doesn't fit in your system, which is my problem again with their spine. Correct. So quite frustrating, but uh, I think Frawley does definitely need to stay. They need that stable influence with one of those guys, but I'd play Reynolds at nine, keep Leisha there, share time, and leave Moses uh, in by as the six. Boyd and the Broncos, couple of questions here. Simon Green's. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Says, what's your thoughts on moving Boyd to six? I'm pretty sketchy on it. Don't think it solves the problems of them sealing games. Would love to see Ash Taylor get stolen back. I'd hate to see it. I know you'd hate to see it. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Well, this is all coming up because Hunt's leaving. People are saying, how do you replace him? There's already talk about Taylor. But well, they're not going to get Taylor because Taylor's already, already signed up. So, I don't so, know. But, yeah, who knows? Because the contract means Zippo. Yeah, well, that's the thing about it, I suppose. I wouldn't move Boyd, though. Boyd's been absolutely outstanding at fullback. You've got to think... Uh, no, there's again, no way you move Boyd. Definitely haven't lost his toe. And it's a bit lockerish. That's probably a lockerish suggestion. This was this time in his career that he moved to six. But Boyd's, Boyd's a good ball player, but he's doing a great job at one. You wouldn't you wouldn't move that. No, definitely not. And then what are you going to play? Milford and Boyd in the halves. They're similar players. Yeah, you can't... It's they two sixes. Similar, exactly. Two sixes. You need a genuine seven, so you can't do that. David Boyle, do the Broncos have the mental strength to make the top four? I just have a funny feeling they are wavering, cannot seem to close a match. Granted, they have had pretty stiff competition, Bob. I think Friday was just... I think they... Well, we'll talk about in the review. I reckon they went completely sideways to what you should be doing in the wet. They tried to throw the football around. They played perfect wet weather football for the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And that was about it. And they went off the rails. I don't know about top four. I didn't have them in my top four. Um, I think they'll be in the eight. But I did. I had them finish in minor premiers because I just thought... And, and probably... Looking back now, they'll, I think they'll still finish close to the top four, but they're going to have a look at all these. A lot of these close games have they've lost. lost yeah. they, they haven't. They haven't been beaten by more than six points. I think the whole year. Well, I've got them five or six. I think I had them in there, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not too sure. It's it's going to take a fair bit, but 
They just need more, I think, from the halves. When one's played well, the other's been poor. They haven't had a great game together. I don't think McCulloch and Boyd have kind of been the glue, yeah, they to be honest. But uh, Dragons, Matty Bishop says, Man, the Dragons, surprise form of staff the year. Can they sustain it for the season? Well, we touched on that earlier. I think basically uh, depth is one thing, and then the halves. And can they score points from the Dragons' point of view against better teams and duffel coat supreme? Are the Dragons a generally good team, or do the Tigers, Panthers, Sharks, and Warriors just all have off nights? Well, you've got to give them credit. No, no. Look, the Dragons are a good team. Manly, um, I think they're both good teams at the moment. Whether they can mo- uh, whether they can maintain yeah. that is you know, the, the obvious question moving Different forward. Different story. AJ Reeves is saying, when the Storm's defence is as herculean as it was on Saturday, can we call them the Melbourne Swarm? Look, I've got my thoughts on this game, and I'm going to—I'll give them when we do our review. But they were—they look like they had 20 defenders on the field the other night. Mitch Brackenbridge is everyone just playing for second? Surely you can't get enough on Melbourne to win this year. It's very early, Mitch. Yeah. We were saying this. Well, we say this every year. With the, we were saying it last year about the Broncos and the Cowboys. Oh, it's yeah. just foregone conclusion. One of them's going to be in the. Oh, they're, they're going to be in the grand final. Neither of them made the grand final. Yeah. So. It's very, very early. These injuries. There's a lot of things that can happen. Yeah. Uh, the Daily M's brought up here by Roadrunner on Twitter. He's saying point scoring for it, just one voter per game. Doesn't seem like we get the best results each week. Can you suggest a better way of scoring? Well, I saw this and I did a little bit of research. Cameron Smith's first on 11, Kiri is second on nine, and Gallen is third on eight. For me, Mitchell Pearce not being in that conversation after the first five weeks, well, I think he's been right up there as one of the better players in the competition. The I think Paul Vaughan, to not be ranked above Gallen in voting, to me, is is way off because I think Paul Vaughan's probably been the form forward in the comp. So I think, yeah, the voting's wrong. A better system? I think a better system would be that we just vote for an MVP at the end of the year like the NFL and the NBA and all that do it. So you're not really handcuffed to saying, you know, so-and-so's leading and whatever. It's on votes. Yeah. It's on every, you know, you have 200 people get a ballot at the end of the year. They all vote. Whoever gets the most wins. Yep. I got no problem with that, and I probably agree because again, sometimes. And I think that should be coaches. Every coach gets a vote. Every CEO gets a vote. Yeah. Every you know, you look at your um, all the rep coaches get a vote, and then where you go through the media, referees. Yeah, well, you know my main problem. Captains. I think captains of each club should get a vote. My main problem with this system we brought up for, I always refer back to Terry Campisi going on a six-game streak that almost won him the medal. Well, you look at Hain. Hain went year. on what eight-week run and won the medal, and yeah. Campisi, I think, finished second that year. He went crazy and got like six men of the matches in a row. But look at his whole season. We're talking 24 games. He wasn't the best player over the year. For the whole year, for a six-week run, he was outstanding. But he got 18 points and got right near winning the medal. And it just seems a bit crazy that you can... Yes, it needs to be an award based on consistency. Yeah, and he's also asked about the best half option to replace Hunt. Well, again, looking at the market, there's not a whole lot... Uh, that you'd be super impressed with, but if you want it, some goss, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard it by now. They're interested in Mitchell Moses, apparently. Yeah. Not for the money he wants. So and again, what are you going to put Moses with Milford? Exactly. They're similar players. And uh, yeah, they're talking probably around the six mark, not the 900 that he wants. So, uh, different story. Kane Chevalier, he says about Blocker as a commentator. Well, I think enough's been said about that. Wow. Everybody's got the same opinion. Wow. Plenty of frustration. And the from the A League. Wow. Oh, there's been plenty of frustration mentioned by Brendan Speed. Yeah, Brendan Speed. Oh, my so God. That five. 30 game, I want to bang my head on the table. Yeah, not uh, many people happy about that. Martin Shellac, teams that have two hookers on the sheet, why bother? Teams that are pretty much only using 16 players in a match again, there must be a reason. It's a great reason because you know my theory on it. You can get with, when you only use 16, three benches, you can get them on, off, and then back on again. Yeah. 
I still don't like the fact, though, when Peter Hicku is on the bench with Penrith and does get on the field, I don't carry backs. And I know mm. that uh, the Dragons did it with Tarn Milne on the weekend, and I thought that was weird. Obviously, it worked out because Dugan ended up getting injured. But unless you have a preconceived thought or no... To me, I'm, I'm, just carrying, I'm going to carry a uh, guy that is a nine six seven one. If you can find one, you know, that they're a rarity, obviously, someone that can sort of cover in all those positions. And I'm carrying him as my 17. I'm telling him before the game, you're not getting on unless we get an injury to a key position. Yep, that's fair enough. Um, I just, yeah. yeah. And then I'm using my three. I'm going to have three fours on the bench and I'm just rolling them over because one to seven, she'll be able to play 80 minutes, agree? Yep. Your, uh, your, most nines will play eighty. I get it if you're gonna if you're gonna change your nine, so be it, right? You got a dynamic dude off the bench, that's fine. I well, get that. I don't have a problem with the two hookers because I don't think there's enough gun number nines that deserve to play eighty, to be honest. No, that's fine. There's only a few elite um, nines. So you go on and off there. So you get your you get your utility hooker on, that's an interchange, you get him off and get your starter back on, that's two. So you can do that for every player if you've got four. Right? But if I've got an 80-minute hooker like the Roosters or something like that, man, I'm just stacking my bench with three massive forwards yeah, well, and I'm going to play a power game. Same as Melbourne. I've already said I'm sick of seeing Connor Watson there because he's a decent player. But as soon as he goes on, you know, friends off the field. Defensively, he's not as good. He may be a spark, but he always seems to go on at a time when they're trying to hang on to a game, yeah. not take over a game. Whereas mm-hmm. Damien Cook, for example, starting the weekend, I think he can play eight easily. He's been pigeonholed as an impact player, but when he's got on in his situations in the past where you've seen him excel... Yeah. is when they've been on the front foot. Yeah. So I just don't understand the Watts thing when you've got friends. Friends, one of the only guys I would play 80 minutes for. So mm-hmm. uh, Peter Dillon, is Zach Rivera going to bounce back in fantasy after another devastating loss? Clearly, you blokes have got a league. Not too sure about that, but good banner there for can't you have, blokes. Can't have been uh, any worse than some of my loss early. Yeah, you've had some pretty bad ones. Stuff coat supreme again. Lewis, you tip against a storm and screwed my perfect round. Shakes his fist. Well, I think the numbers now are 12 from 14 on the reverse jinx, so... It's not bad. Yeah, works pretty well. The old reverse jinx. Chris Cohen, Tigers right side defence. What's doing, mate? Don't start me. Don't start me. That's all I can say. There's a certain player who's parked down that right edge, but they're all absolutely awful. Um, they keep talking about attitude. They're going to fix it. This that. God, I hope Ivan Cleary can fix it because no one else has been able to. Let's put it that way. The Buckstar thoughts on Trent Hodkinson. He's playing in a young team. Needs to step up. Only one try assist so far this year isn't good enough. Mate, I honestly think he hasn't been too bad. And again, in a forward pattern that's constantly dominated, it's pretty hard uh, to create too much. And an example, again, is the weekend. I thought he was pretty solid and tough, but they got outgained 1,900 metres to 1,100. So yeah. it's pretty hard to do much when you don't have too much uh, momentum moving forward. Keith Sheldon. With over a million of Manly's cap unavailable this year, Stuart Maddow, are Manly a realistic chance of making the eight? Well, of course not. Depth. As long as depth doesn't affect them in that spine, these blokes keep ripping in for them. Definitely have a good chance. Uh, and Tony B, he's got George Williams from Wigan. How would he fare in the NRL? Apparently, Eels and a few others are keen on him. has huge potential. I can't say I watch a whole lot of it. You're more a judge to make this decision. I've seen a little bit of Williams. I'm probably a bigger fan of Gale. I answered that. Um, George Williams, the reason why he would be successful in uh, Australia is because he likes to run the ball. And I think he could come over here and he could develop into a good half. We could develop his short and long passing game and his ability to read and kick and all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of the, the English halves want to finesse the ball. They, they're, they're very big on the passing. But I think he could be successful because of his running. I, I think he'd, he'd do a really good, really good job over here because he's willing to run the ball on copper hit. Yep. 
I, I've only I seen like him. him. He's pretty tidy, uh, but he, he, he is a little... He needs some uh, sharpening. Well, he definitely would get some more structure playing here because yeah. the Super League is a fair bit looser. From what I've seen, I'm more... Only thing I can comment on is what you said. He definitely loves throwing the football. If there Which is an opportunity... Is, you can you can fit, you can can have that. You know, you can... you can. I can work with that. You I can't, can't work with someone who's not willing to go into the line and cop a hit as a half. Yeah. In Australia. He definitely needs to work on his ball playing a bit more, though. But the ball yeah. running is definitely not something he's lacking. Uh, Daniel Rennie, need to scrap the seven-tackle set. Stupid rule. Um, also, refs need to blow penalties when a play offside charging the kicker in golden point or when tied. Well, they just put the whistle away. I think we've seen that for a while now. Um, and Josh Dean says, was Penrith's attack lacking or was it just a superb defence from Melbourne that made the attack look second rate? Well, it was a bit of both. A little bit of both, but I suppose that's finishing all our questions. We'll get on to the match Mate, reviews. there's a thousand questions there. There was a squillion. There's always a fair few. So we thank you, as always, for them. We'll put up about power rankings and make sure you send those through. Give us your thoughts. But match reviews, Broncos, Dogs, 10-7. Um, I think wet weather definitely suited the Bulldogs, but at 7-0 at halftime, very basic game plan by both. I didn't think that Brisbane would lose it from that position, just given the conditions and the way they played, but... If anything, they played the complete and utter wrong style. They tried to move the football around a little bit too much. I don't know what was going on there. There was a couple of early shifts. Um, obviously, the Kahu brain snap, the dropout twice there. They gave away possession where they should have been getting it back inside 20. Um, pretty confusing. Well, but The less said about this game, the better. Yeah, the less said, better. Sure, they, but... they played well for the first 20. They kicked, they chased, they pinned the dogs down their end. They got points. They let, what They lead 7-0 at halftime. Came out in the second half and two tries just where the Bulldogs wanted to run the ball and Brisbane just kept turning the pill over. Yep, 100%. Graham and Clemmer led from the front. Uh, obviously, Jackson's tough every week, but he's set up one of those tries. Reynolds showed some energy. He's been under a bit of scrutiny and uh, if anything, they missed chances and probably should have won by a bit more. Mm. They had a couple early ones offside again, which is just simple. Be onside for kicks. Yeah. And that's just stupidity when you don't get points off situations like that, but... Um, Broncos, disappointing. Four tough games, have that one in the wet. I know it made it difficult and lots of scrutiny around the Bulldogs, but, yeah, it just wasn't uh, just wasn't a Broncos-like performance. That's a bit of a setback. Yeah, they've lost a lot of close games early. Not not ideal. No, and uh, full credit again to Andrew McCulloch. Thought he was close to their best player. Maguire tried hard. Gillette, same as always, but I think McCulloch's been the standout for them this season. He has been, been, definitely. Absolutely outstanding. And a say-say off the bench. He struggled a little bit the other night in the conditions, but the first few weeks, I think he's been one of the real standouts coming off their bench. Yeah, I agree. uh, The Broncos this week play the Roosters. They're both looking to bounce back. Uh, Tough game, but one I'm looking forward to. And the Bulldogs, they play Newcastle, so... That's still not an easy game. Newcastle showing again uh, some resilience last week. But Manly and the Roosters, speaking of the Chookies, 18-12, they went down. What a turnaround by Manly. Effort and attitude like we spoke about, and it just highlights this spine. You've got Trebojevic touching the football. Cherry Evans has got green next to him. It's relieved some pressure. He's helped out with the kicking. He's helped out with some of the organising. And Coruscant obviously looks a lot sharper, but the big tick has to go to the guys in the forward pack and the guys coming off the bench because, to be honest... There's a lot of guys there I was doubtful over, especially the background on some of the bench players, but they're all chipping in as a group. There's a real good mentality there. They're ripping in for each other, and that's opening things up for this spine to play some football. Well, they held their own against the Roosters. Again, this, this game can be pretty easily summed up. They, uh, they held their own in the middle, and their spine players were better than the Roosters. They, they took advantage of it. I know late, you know, late the Roosters were still in it, but you know they mainly put them away and... It's probably the case that the Roosters let Manly hang around for long enough to keep them interested and give them some enthusiasm and confidence. And as the game went on, Manly just got more and more confident and the Roosters just struggled more and more to put them away. 
Yeah, I thought this, the one thing that killed was just errors coming out of yardage. Mm. Uh, in particular, the two wingers, Kenny Dow dropped some football, Tupo dropped some real simple ball. My disappointment there, and I'm sure their coaches obviously identified it, is I don't think they've played for more than 30 minutes in any game so far. I think basically they turn on for a quick little period and they switch off and they're way too loose, whether that be penalties, drop football, just all around being loose. And the scary thought, I've mentioned before and I'll say it again, when they can even play for at least 60, mm. uh, I think they could wipe most teams off the park. But uh, take nothing away for Manly. All those blokes that we mentioned were outstanding. Uh, Walker's been pretty good. The goal kicking's actually surprised me as well. His goal kicking's been pretty outstanding. Mm. But uh, Roosters, I thought Pierce and Gordon were pretty good, and they obviously lost Napa, so that hurts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they'll be looking to bounce back this weekend against the Broncos. They, by their standards, they were ordinary, the Roosters. Yeah, they definitely were. They'll look to bounce back against the Broncos and Manly play the Dragons, two teams I didn't think we'd be talking about in this vein or looking forward to watching them play, mind you. So looking forward to that one. Cowboys 20-6 over Souths. Uh, I thought this one was pretty simple. It was 20 minutes where it was a bit of an arm wrestle. Both sides repelling one another, but the penalty goal came, a couple of late tries, and Souths' attack was just flat again. They fell flat. Farrah's been benched. Uh, what to make of that? Well, this was mentioned by a lot of people when he moved there that, you know, was he even the best hooker on their roster? Is Cook finally getting his opportunity? I thought he played pretty well again the other night. I think he plays well every time he gets on the field, but... Uh, their attack's obviously got some issues. The only guy who seems to threaten at any point in time with the football in hand is Cody Walker, who looks like he can create something. But uh, well, he plays straight. He plays straight and direct. And mm. there too many of these teams that are struggling offensively are lacking that. They want to think the ball sideways without getting the earning the right through the middle of the field. And it either comes back to your key position players in your seven and your six or your nine that aren't playing direct. Some of those guys have to copy hit and have to go into the line and have to engage defenders. Otherwise, it just becomes predictable and side to side. And Sias are falling into that trap at the moment outside of probably Cody Walker and Damian Cook. Yeah, I'll tell you the one, again, we have to give a bit of a question mark to is Adam Reynolds. Said at the start of the year, I didn't have him in my eight because he's held together by sticky tape. But how often do you see him take the line on? They all give him raps about his kicking game and his control. But at some point, you have to develop further. If you're a seven... Uh, you should be engaged in the line, running the football. He never runs, nowhere near enough. But he does play very, very deep, basically, to avoid the line. Yeah. Cody Walker's not a big bloke either. But I tell you what, he's a tough bastard. and He yeah. has no problem digging in. So they need a little bit more there. But also their forward pack, I still get the feeling that they're not quite dynamic enough. I was happy to see Charrington back. But again, he's been playing cut. He was gassed fairly early. But I could see the quality in his few carries and having someone who has a bit of footwork and a bit of agility for a big man. So... I'd keep working with him to get him fitter and keep him in the side because that's something they're definitely lacking in. Agree. Um, but, yeah, Cowboys, Tamalo back. Coop back. They looked a little more steady, but I'm still not overly impressed by them. There, there's a lot to be polished up on their side of things, that's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And a, a yeah. slow start to the season. But by they needed that, a win at home. and uh, You know, I didn't think South were... Overly great. Sam Burgess was good. Tough yeah. again. Well, same as always. He may make an error or two, but you definitely can't question his effort. Uh, this weekend, the Cowboys, they play the Tigers, so that's another good one to get, and it's at home. Yeah. Uh, dangerous with a new coach, but still up there. That's not going to be any easy task. And you've got South, they're going to play Penrith, so both looking to show a bit more this week, especially Penrith at home. Should be looking to bounce back. But Sharks, Newcastle, 1918. That resilience returned. Um, you know, they had a bit of a down week the week before. Like we said, they are going to be flat at times. They are going to have question marks over them. But my God, did they try hard again the other day. Completely manhandled, had less possession. Most things went against him. But any time they got an opportunity, like the Elliott thing was just, you know, it was a brain lapse a little bit by Sharks. But it's a great effort play. 
Um, they kept themselves right in there to the death. They got dominated, like I said, meterage-wise, and just probably generally in that game, but they're just always in the fight. And, again, Nathan Brown doing a really, really good job trying to build some culture and get some of these young guys through, but uh, Heinington's 300th. Maloney saved the day for him. Yeah, God, this was an ugly game. Was, the Sharks yeah. were ordinary, very, very ordinary. Uh, Newcastle were tough, tough again. Uh, I thought the dry track would have been conducive to the Sharkies maybe putting a score on. So did I. Wow. And they probably should have, to be fair. like well, I think it was 18-6 with 20 to go, and they bombed a couple of tries, and they just looked they looked a little bit arrogant, the Sharks, I've got to, I've got to admit, and they're a little bit off their game. But credit to Newcastle again, busted their bum. So unlucky. By the end of it, I was cheering Newcastle home. I wanted Newcastle to win because I just thought, I thought they deserved They put more into that game than what the Sharks did. Sharks um, just have the class across the field to get them home. 100% with you there. And again, I think Bird needs to sort his contract situation out. He's a bit inconsistent. And obviously, we've heard about a bit of ego and off-field kind of stuff. He's not playing anywhere near the level he should be playing. That's right. Uh, I think even Holmes has been a bit scrappy since he's been back. He had some good moments, but also a few poor moments just at the back there. And he needs to clean that up quick. But yeah. um, Gallon led from the front. Thought Fafita wasn't too bad either, but Heinington's 300. That's a massive rap for someone to play 300 games, especially when he got moved on from the Tigers and the circumstances he did and went to the Sharks. I wasn't sure how much longer he'd last before he went to England, but he's won another comp almost 11 years later, similar to Luke Lewis, who won one almost, what, 13 years later. Yeah. Um, and now he's cracked 300, so that's a massive effort by him. Exactly. Yeah. So full congratulations to him. But yeah, 60-40 possession, 1,900 to 1,100 metres, seven line breaks to one. Real wake up this week because the Sharks are playing the Storm in Melbourne. Well, so yeah, there is grand final rematch. There is no time to be down this week. Anything off field, ego, arrogance, anything that's going on, it'll be exposed this week if they're not on. So that's going to be a cracker game. And Newcastle, like we said, play the Dogs. Danger game for the Dogs again after getting a win to want to continue. Uh, that one is in Newcastle, so you know you're going to have a tough day when you go there. Thirty to eighteen, it is Canberra over. The Parramatta Eels, it was 6-all, but uh, this one, why a little bit tight? I think got blown open by, surprise, surprise, that right-hand edge of Leilua, Rapana. Rapana's outstanding. For a winger to have so much impact on a game is just insane. Not only did he score one on ridiculous tiptoeing the, the touchline from that no-look pass from Leilua, but just the yardage, he set one of them up. He's constantly involved in the game. Uh, I think Austin again. Trying a little bit, and uh, Croker got his 100th try off Hodgson, who's been a little bit quiet, so there's still a little bit there left to be desired, and they drifted out of the game, as they always do. Once they blew that lead out, they did typical Canberra. They shut down for a little bit and let Parramatta back in, but um, honestly... Yeah, possession turned. They, uh, I think Canberra had a glut before half-time, put a lot of points on, and then Parramatta had some to start the second half, but I was disappointed with Parramatta, got to be honest. I thought Canberra were good, and Canberra did enough to win, and like you said, uh, Rapana was sensational, but yeah, I was disappointed with Canberra. Yeah, I, was, uh, I was disappointed with the Eels. Sorry. I was disappointed a bit with both. Like I said, just the consistency of Canberra in and out of games. I, I know that they're starting the year a bit flat. They had guys go away for internationals for the first time, suspensions, injuries. It's been a bit of a mixed bag to start with, but I just expected more probably from their forwards. And yeah. Aiden Caesar, he had a couple of nice kicks in this game, but I'm still not seeing him anywhere take control enough, uh, take enough control of the game, yeah. especially why Hodgson's got, uh, I think, a rib problem and an ankle problem. He's been quiet. So all spine players... Probably besides Jack. Jack, since he's been back, has been really, really good running the football. And Blake's been trying, but um, there's a few blokes who just leaving me wanting a little bit more. Josh Papali's been outstanding as well, just quietly. Yeah, he has been. Uh, to yeah. start the year off, but uh, they're going to get better. Parramatta falling flat after a couple of good wins. I don't know what's going on there. 
Uh, Corey Norman has been a bit quieter, but again, there's not much he can do when everyone else is not really pulling their weight either, but uh, there's a little bit left to be desired. Gutherson at six, that seemed to be slowing down a little bit more after the first two games. Pritchard's been safe at nine. French at fullback's been okay, but he only has kind of moments where he pops in and out. So yeah. um, there's a few little things that are left to be desired for Parramatta. Uh, yeah, I want to see more, but a weird game this week. They play Kieran Foran in New Zealand against the Warriors. So that should be interesting, but flip a coin because you couldn't trust either of them at the moment from what you've seen. No, I'll be tipping um, Paramount. Yeah, and uh, on the flip side of that, you got the Raiders. They are going to play the Titans, who are just luckless. More injuries that's up there, but you guys seem to go all right against them for some reason. There's a few games that look like you're going to lose that you pulled from the fire, but uh, obviously we're doing this on a Monday. We can't see the lineups, but I'm assuming you're going to be missing a few more players. So yeah. tough conditions for the Titans there. But moving on, Storm against Penrith, 28 to six. The streak continues. I think it's something ridiculous, like 18 of the last 19 or something down there. I think yeah. Penrith's only won one. Um, five and zero. The last team left standing. Two more debutants for the club, and they still get the job done. And Smith most wins ever. And three players that we mentioned earlier in the top ten all the time. Ridiculous. Exactly. Craziness. Uh, they were... I think they were great, Melbourne. They weren't great, but they did enough to weather what Penrith threw at them. My takeaway from this game, there wasn't a lot I took away from this game. I knew that nothing from what Melbourne did surprised me, apart from the amount of ball they probably turned over. What really surprised me was Penrith's inability to change tact in attack. You know, they had so much ball. They had 56 tackles on Melbourne's line in the second half. To you know, drop two over the line. I don't think the scoreboard was a reflection of that, that game at all. That was a lot closer than what the scoreboard suggests. But Penrith, they just went side to side, side to side, side to side. And I thought they needed to go through the middle, challenge Melbourne with the offloads. They've got James Tamo and Trent Merrin, who are both really good offloaders of the ball. They've got Latu on the bench. They've got a lot of guys that can create offloads. And that Matt Moylan, to me, wanted to finesse the ball sideways too much, not get in and run get in around those bigger forwards early in the set, break Melbourne open, create some offloads and get some ruck speed. Because if you think you're just going to run... And this is what Penrith did. They ran forwards one out into Melbourne on plays one, two and three. Melbourne eat that shit for breakfast. Yeah, you've got they, to... They laid all over it, slowed it down. And by the time Penrith wanted to put some moves on... And, they, and look, Penrith looked good with the ball. But Melbourne had it solved. Yeah. And I just... It shitted me that Penrith just couldn't break out of the same crap. Like... You know, we're going to get to here and we're going to run this play. We're going to get to here and run this play. How about a little bit of ad-lib? The two tries that they, or near tries they scored, were just from quick play. The balls look up, pass, pass, find some space. And they got through and almost over. Yeah. Like Moses Leota, there was a little tip on there. But like, he's no ball player. No. But he knows how to push up on the play. Pushed up on the play. Should have scored. Yeah. Should have scored. Should have scored. Um, I can't think of who the other one was dropped. Uh, was it the the kid Martin, Martin dropped it dropped over the line one. again? Run the ball, kid. And the run the ball. Far a one. They were called back for a knock on. And look, Nathan, clear. Yeah, well, because James Tarmow twice in that game went stupidly knocking the ball out of players' hands. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, pet hate. It's just the dumbest play in rugby league. Yeah. It really, really is. And look, I thought Nathan Cleary ran the ball a lot, man, a lot. But with no one with him, go and watch. Go and watch when Nathan Cleary ran to the line. No one with him. Where's Matt Moylan? Where are these big forwards that should be out the back of him and giving him some options? So when he goes to the line, he's not getting flogged by two or three blokes. Yeah, it, it was just frustrating to me. I think 
Penrith have got the ingredients there to beat Melbourne. They just brought the wrong style to Melbourne. Well, it was more what you said there. And I think, again, changing coach changed a bit of style. They're supposedly loose and ad-lib, but you're seeing more of the Hook Griffin impression, I think, on the, the play. And they've got these players that can break out, but it seems that they're a little more structured, uh, even though people say structure for unstructured, we've talked about before, but it looks like they're falling a little bit too much uh, into line with the robot side of things, which is what we don't expect from Penrith. Yeah. Uh, what I took out of it is, obviously, like you said, clinical inside red zone, even though they bombed a couple of tries, but Melbourne hold out on their line. Uh, finishing, you've got to take your chances when you can because Melbourne certainly took theirs and I think they exposed a massive weakness on the left-hand side defensively. Yeah, they did. They pulled Peachy, uh, that Peachy, Wunga Blake edge apart three times in that game quite easily. Chambers had enough space to just run or tip on. Uh, it happened way, way too easily. Yeah, so. and they didn't get Peachy enough early ball in no. attack either. Like, don't get me started. Something anyway. they have to address on that left edge, but Melbourne, like we said, get home there. Um, Penrith obviously have to take a lesson out of this one and that's obviously like you said got to change your st- you've got to break Melbourne down more what you were saying anyone that pushes ad-lib Warriors, Tigers last week teams like that that try and bust the ruck up and push the football give Melbourne problems Yeah, it's yeah. not rocket science we've been saying it for years now if you want to get into the simple grind and structure of football you will lose 9 out of 10 times yeah. Melbourne will beat you yeah. so disappointing that Penrith went with that game plan but they'll look to bounce back this week against South the Storm play the Sharks grand final rematch going to be a cracker hopefully down there uh, Warriors, Titans, I don't want to spend much time on this because, to be honest, you lost your whole bench. They're out of subs with about 60 gone, 65 gone. Uh, they scored some nice tries early. LG scored a couple of crackers, but even Hurrell pulled out before kickoff. And, um, they, I just don't know what to say. We touched on at the start of the year that I thought injuries and death might cost them, and I didn't expect them to be hit so hard so early. Yeah, um, They've been absolutely know. decimated and... The fact that they were still in it after building that early lead and that it took the Warriors so long to break them down, even though they were so weak, it surprised me. But Foran was probably the highlight there, and I think Sheck, Sheck benefited from having him there. He set up a try, had more touches, looked a lot happier having Kieran Foran there, and I think he straightened up Johnson. He straightened up Luke. He straightened up everything. Yeah. But I'm still worried about their forward pack. I don't trust their forward pack week to week and defensive attitude. They still conceded 22 points, and to be honest, I thought a couple of those tries were just soft early on in the game. So until well, they, they fix were, yeah. that side of the ball as well, they beat you guys without a bench. Like, bloody hip hip right, who cares? Yeah, you've beaten they... Newcastle and you've beat a depleted Titan side, so I'm not really getting just, anything. Just. Yeah, I'm getting nothing out of this, unfortunately. No. Um, but a lot needs to change, yeah. Defensive attitude needs to turn around, but not a bad first showing uh, from them. And with Roberts out, possibly, I don't that that's definitely not a good thing. We don't get to see lineups, but that's not going to help, that's for sure. Yeah. He's been uh, probably their best player week to week. Ryan James looks a bit flat. I know he's probably frustrated, and the other one's Kevin Proctor. I think he's pretty frustrated with the situation. Yeah. So two guys that I would have looked at to probably leave the front. I know they've got the injuries, but not quite what I expected from those two so far. Um, but, yeah, the Titans, they'll play Canberra this week, and the Warriors, they played the Eels, and the last game was Dragons-Tigers. What do you say about this one? Typical Tigers, frustrating to watch. Uh, hat-trick for Nightingale in the first half. Widock pulled every trick out of the bag, grubber kit, chip kit, long pass, that right edge, what are you doing? They're so far jammed in, um, making poor decisions, easy tries there. And then Lafayette got one after he not only set one up earlier on, they scored there again. And they're lucky that Vaughn didn't have two. He almost crashed over early from the soft ruck defence, then called for a forward pass later on, but... They were never really threatened in this game, to be honest. And the only two guys, again, that worried me for the Tigers was Nofaluma, pushing up on the football, created a line break there, almost got over, and Tedesco almost got over once or twice. But 
I watch this game again, and it's another one of the reasons why I say if I'm Tedesco, I, I'm really not looking to sign with the Tigers. Oh, it was an awful game. Awful, awful game. Uh, I thought the Dragons, their adaptability and attack to think outside the blo- the box, uh, the Tigers kept jamming in, Whitop just kept kicking behind them. Yep. Smart footy, uh, and it worked. So, I look, I watched, I watched the Tigers, and they're in desperate need of a coach and some direction, and they've got that now with Cleary. So, I don't think much will change this week because he doesn't have a lot of time, but... I expect it to slowly but surely change. Uh, and, you know, they've got a tough road trip this week headed straight up to North Queensland. Yeah, that's not really what uh, you want. But, yeah, I was impressed with the Dragons. But, again, uh, they play Manly this week, so that'll give us a little bit of an idea on where they're at. It'll probably give, you a good, give us a good idea on where they're both at because we're sort of in cross-comparing them today because they're very similar in terms of they weren't expected to do as well and both coaches were under pressure, etc., etc. I, I think Dugan will tell Massive in this because they do like to play tough football, but Dugan's returns, as much as we've said, you wouldn't pay him fullback money. Mm. Start those sets off, get those forwards on the front foot. They don't have to come back as far. Lafayette, Nightingale, all these guys come in chipping from the back as well. But I think that's going to be felt this week with probably Man going there because he's nowhere near as dynamic or powerful on the return. Yeah. He is that ball player, but they've kind of gone away from that bull crap, bull crap pre-lined 15 metre stuff that wasn't working for him so um, I think he's going to be a bigger loss than what you could imagine this week um, whether it is man going back there you'd assume so but definitely going to be a battle of two tough forward packs that's for sure yeah so definitely they play man like we said this week looking forward to that one Tigers go up there to play the Cowboys um, that wraps up power rankings fan questions set of six and reviews of the games we no, power rankings mate Oh, we didn't do power We rankings. didn't. Come on. I thought We've we did power again. Let's do it nice and quick. All right. One to eight. Rankings. Well, I've got the Storm at one. Me too. Pretty straightforward. Only undefeated team. The yep. Roosters, I still have it too. Me too. Yeah. Yep. No, I had a loss, but very, very good side. Expect better as the year goes on. Number three, I have the Cowboys. Yep. Me too. There we go. One to three. Still need to see improvement, but Tamalolo back, Coot back. Um, they're going to get better. Number four, massive upgrade. Oh, I've got the Dragons. I've got the Raiders. Uh, reasoning? Well, I think they're... They haven't been great, but they've been solid. They lost a close game with the Cowboys. And for me, them and the side that I've got next are the most likely to challenge those top three later in the year. I think I've gone a little bit overs, but just from what I've seen, if they stick to this style of football and don't have injuries and they've got one in Dugan, uh, they'll beat most sides, probably not the top two or three, but I think this will beat most teams. All right, number five. Number five, I have the Sharks. I've got the Panthers. Yep, number six, I have Manly again. I've got the Sharkies at six. Showing some toughness and a bit of difference. Raiders at seven for me. I've got the Dragons at seven. Need to see Whitehead and a few of these guys come back and play a bit more consistently. And number eight, I have the Panthers. I've got Manly. There you go. Well, Broncos, the one who dropped out dramatically, but uh, after a tough little run, I had them fairly high, I think, last week. I think that, that one was a big one for me. Just, yeah, it was a bit of a lapse. They'll probably find their way back in, but... Oh, they will, definitely. Yeah, not But really. it's right now. We're ranking them right now. Right now from what we've seen. But that wraps that up. We move on now to Gossip. Like we said, he's not here tonight, but he's left... All his dirt, anything he's got there, and his tips. So we start off the Roosters close to signing Tedesco, but falling out with play manager Isaac Moses has caused a halt. So for anyone who doesn't know the, the background of that, Mitchell Moses was basically a done deal, apparently, to the Roosters, but uh, he bailed out. So Nick Politis swore off Isaac Moses and said, we're not going to deal with any of your clients, but apparently Oof. Moses put a phone call through to Robinson is trying to do the backdoor deal and get Robinson to go talk to Nick Politis to say we want to get him. So... Interesting circumstances. That'll happen. That'll happen. But uh, I think it's quite obvious what I'd be doing. I'd be moving if I'm James Tedesco. Yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, his most overrated winger, as Gossip's got written here, Dallin Latine Zalesniak, is re-signed with the Panthers until 2020. Yeah, that happened this afternoon. I hope they didn't pay big money for him because he hasn't really come on to what I thought 
I think they expected him to be. But he's, he looks like a solid first grader he'll develop. He's a decent player, but I just don't think they needed to spend money in the outside backs. I think they've got plenty of kids Well, I there. want to know how much they signed him for, and then I'll make a judgment on that. And, yeah, that's the real question you've got to ask yourself. Uh, the Warriors have apparently joined the race to sign Aaron Woods, Bulldogs, and Manly. Obviously, we heard are both keen. Manly, the, child, uh, the team he supported as a child, and Bulldogs were looking to shake things up with the Warriors in. Yeah, well, it's, they, as you said, they're struggling in the forwards, and that's a few holes for them. And yeah. And they always Australian forwards do well over there. They 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 do do well in in New Zealand. They do certainly do, but I don't know if he's the one I'd be going for. But see what happens there. Foreign, as we spoke about, he's got here. He'll be meeting with the Bulldogs in two weeks' time. Uh, simple opinion on this. Want to see him play? Like I said, six to eight weeks, no off-field stuff, no drama, good form, and then he can do something like this. But well, okay, so he's meeting with the Bulldogs in two weeks. So that's to say that Des Hazard would have signed a new deal in the next two weeks. Otherwise, why would he be meeting with them? Again, basically, they said last week that that was his little desperation play again with part of the board meeting set up that Foran will only come if he's there. So yeah, gun to the head. See what's happening, but uh, obviously, probably gives more weight to our argument what we talked about earlier. Ivan Cleary, he's got here to be announced. He obviously sent this earlier. That is a done deal now. Three and a half years, he will be there. And Josh Reynolds is on the outer, as most know. Uh, manager has not yet been approached from any other clubs. However, Shane Flanagan came out this week and said he would be keen. He knows his parents. Uh, same junior club, apparently, a bit to do with him growing up. That makes no sense to me, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. They've got Braley, Seguiara, etc. So, to me, it makes no sense unless they're going to slot him into the halves and they've got other plans for Townsend and Maloney. But, yeah, I can't see it. I think it's it's easy for Shane Flanagan to say that now because it's a hypothetical. It's yeah. not a real real situation, is it? And again, maybe from a friend situation and also he used to be involved in Origin, I'm pretty sure, Flanagan back in the day. Maybe he's got a link there besides the family thing and he's trying to boost him a little bit on the market. Maybe, maybe get yeah. somebody to tip in, but yeah, I, I'm not too sure that's a move they need to make. But uh, that was all the dirt he had there. Obviously, moving on to the tips now, uh, the odds brought to you by William Hill. Dot com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL, make sure you do it with williamhill.com.au. Uh, looking at the tips from last week, we both got four. Gossip got six, so he's kind of streaked away a little bit earlier. He's on 28. Box, you're on 24, and I'm on 23. Mm. So I'm battling. Battling hard. But Thursday night, Broncos Roosters kicks us off. Uh, it's up there at Suncorp Stadium. Look, I'm going to go to the Roosters. I know Napa. Maybe out. I think they'll bounce back. I think the Broncos will definitely want to show a bit more, but I think the Roosters are the better side, and uh, they were pretty poor the other night. I've got the Roosters, but this is almost must-win for the Broncos. They've lost a lot of close games. They're at home, so they're going to want to win. Yeah, well, another tough side heading up there as well. And Gossip, he's obviously on the Roosters, so that makes a clean sweep from all of us. But with WilliamHill.com, the Broncos, slight favourites at home, $1.80. $2 about the Roosters, minus one and a half. Is the line one to twelve Broncos three ten three twenty five Roosters thirteen plus Broncos four fifteen four fifty for the Roosters Friday night kicks off Newcastle and the Dogs up there for the six o'clock game. Look, the Dogs weren't overly impressive last week, but they got the win. Uh, I expect the attitude to continue to be a bit better. I really, really want to tip Newcastle, but I can't bring myself to do it. Only off the fact of uh, basically their middles. I know they move the football against the Sharks a little bit and try to avoid their middles, but just in the meter game. 
I'm going to stick with the Bulldogs, but it really wouldn't surprise me if Newcastle found a way to win this. I am tipping the Newcastle Knights. Well, the Knights of Newcastle. You're not alone. Gossip's gone in there with you, maybe because of Papa Gossip as well. So I'm on my own on the Bulldogs. For his, for his mental health. Yep. And again, the odds changed massively last week. They were huge outsiders. Newcastle, six plus dollars, I think they were. But I'm this just week, not sold on Canterbury yet. I want, to see him, I. I want to see him win a couple in a row. But and this, I think up at Newcastle, a lot of sides have struggled. 100%. But this is a back-to-back I need to see from the Bulldogs. So I'm going to back them. But WilliamHill.com being a little more respectful this week to the Knights. $2.60 at home. one fifty for the Dogs. Minus six is the line. One to twelve knights, three eighty-five, three dollars dogs, thirteen plus knights, six fifty, two eighty dogs. And the other Friday night game, the Panthers at home in Penrith against Souths. I'm expecting much better, so for that simple reason and the fact that I think they can match it in the forwards and do more with the ball, I'm going to go Penrith. Um, but South, same deal. It's getting a bit ugly fairly early. They've rolled a couple of forwards through. They've already dropped Robbie Farrow to the bench, and Cooks had a start. Um, there's some question marks being thrown up there very early. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I am going to tip the Penny Panthers, and I'm heading out to this game. Yep. Last day of school, so... Loose. I'm going to be on. He's going to be on, and Gossip, of course, he tipped the Penny Panthers, very loyal to his team, and Willinghill.com, heavy favourites, thirty. the Panthers, three fifty. Souths, minus 9.5 is the line, 1-12 to Panthers, $3.475. Souths, 13-plus for Panthers, $2.29. Souths, Saturday kicks off probably... The best game of the Saturday ones, to be honest. Manly versus the Dragons there at Lotto Land. And what about Lottie Takiri legally changing his name to Lottie Land? Is he desperate for cash or what? What's he, doing? Is that is that a legit story? No, that happened the other day. You didn't see that. He no. literally changed his name. It's no longer Lottie Takiri, Novala, whatever the hell it was. So what is he? His like, name is Lottie. Like well, Meta World Peace. Basically. They've obviously paid him for a bit of a media stunt. I didn't read too much Chad, into it. Chad Ochocinco. It's legit, though. His name is Lottie Land. Wow. Yeah. All right, back to the football, though. You need to give yourself a triple, Lottie. <laughs> he definitely wow. must need some kebabs or something. Wow. I wanted to go to the Dragons. I was pretty much set to do so, but with Dugan out, like I said, I know uh, for all the talk that he's not a fullback, he starts the sets off. He's a tough player. Manly's ripping right in. I think their set starts may not be as good without him there. I'm going to go Manly, um, but this is this is going to be a tight contest, I think. I'm tipping the Dragons. I like the Dragons' forward pack better than Manly's. That's fair enough. Their forward pack has been outstanding, and Gossip, he has gone Manly as well. So you're solo there, but with WilliamHill.com, Manly, $1.55 favourites at home. If you like the Dragons, $2.45 there for you. Good value. Uh, minus 4.5 is a line. 1-12 Manly, two ninety three seventy five. The Dragons... 13 plus Manly, 310, $6 the Dragons. Titans at home to the Raiders, injury depleted, quite simple. You'd have to back the Raiders in this one, and that's who Gossip's tipped as well. Yeah. You've tipped the Raiders. Yeah. Clean sweep, $1.45 favourites with WilliamHill.com. Gold Coast, 275, minus 6.5 is a line. 1 to 12, Raiders, $3, 4 for the Titans. 13 plus Raiders, 265, 7 the Titans. And we wrap things up, North Queensland at home. Uh, they're going to be playing the Tigers. Cleary's on board. Uh, things I don't think are going to change enough in a week for them to turn it around, so I'm definitely going the Cowboys up there. Baptism of fire, I think. Yeah, Cowboys have been easy. Yep, and uh, Gossip, he's on the Cowboys as well. And Heavy, heavy favourites, $1.15 to five fifty with William Hill are the Tigers. Minus 15.5, that's a huge line. Uh, 1-12 to 12 Cowboys, three forty six fifty Tigers. 13 plus $1.65 for the Cows and $17.00 for the Tigers and Sunday New Zealand they are playing the Parramatta Eels over there uh, four and back against his old club 
Wow, the eels have been a bit flat. I'm going to do it again. Like I said, every week I don't tip them. The first time I don't tip them, they get the win. Every time I do tip them, they let me down. But I'm going to back the Warriors in New Zealand. I have no idea why. Eels. Yep, and gossips with you. I'm probably going to be the one with my pants pulled down again. And they're the favourites with William Hill, $1.75, 2.08 for Para. Minus two is the line. One to twelve Warriors, three ten, three thirty Eels. Thirteen plus Warriors, three seventy five. Five dollars for the Eels. Storm finish things off. This is the game of the round against the Sharks down there at Melbourne. Uh, I'm back in the Storm there. They're definitely going to want some revenge. I know it doesn't count like the grand final, but I think they'll want to beat the Sharks. Storm. I think they win. It's a very tough road trip to go down there and win. 100%. And Canola were bad last week. Yep, and Gossip is on them as well. So clean sweep, $1.45 for the Storm with WilliamHill.com, uh, $2.75 for the Sharks. Minus 6.5 is a line. 1-12 to Storm, $3.00, 4 for the Sharks. 13-plus Storm, two sixty five seven for the Sharks. So all the tips done. Last thing, Charity Bet, what are you thinking? Yeah, Looking right. through here. You obviously like St. George there at two forty-five. I uh, honestly, I think the Roosters at two dollars isn't too bad, but that's obviously today without seeing the lineups. It could be without Napa and Evans. Yeah. So there's two guys kind of missing. Uh, Melbourne one to twelve. I don't mind. There's a few bits and pieces there, honestly. What's Melbourne thirteen plus? Melbourne thirteen His plus two sixty-five. I don't know about that, but is there anything that takes your fancy? Oh, we can go Melbourne one to twelve. Melbourne 1-12 to at $3, you reckon? Yeah, why not? And you like the Dragons or not? I do, but I'm not going to throw them into a multi with a 1-12-er. to Wouldn't be willing to push that? No. I'm going to throw it out there. I reckon Canberra will do your blokes 13+. plus. Yeah, and what, what price is that? Two sixty five. Well, let's go Canberra 13+, plus into Roosters... Uh, sorry, Melbourne 1-12. to well, Melbourne 1-12. to Up there, $3, up the top, keep going. That's the wrong game, brother, but anyway... It's Whoops. mainly Melbourne. What have you done, mate? What have I done? I've gone the wrong one. This is a podcast listening at its greatest. Mate, calm down. I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm, okay. You need it's... a quick bet slip again, mate. Get rid of it. Let's there get loose. There you go. All right, here. We're going to work out some odds here. You so... need to also take away the stake. So go. Yeah, go. We've got Melbourne 1 to 12. Into. You've got the Raiders 13 plus. What put we that here? into a multi, $7.95. But we lose. So put 100 off so that. So it'll be 700 odd bucks if we win. Yeah, $695. That's our charity bet this week. Big thanks to Gossip for all his dirt and his tips. And a big thank you to WilliamHill.com for our charity account and giving us all the odds. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. Com, and that wraps us up for another week here on the fifth and last NRL podcast. Thank you again for listening. Uh, it's obviously been a bit hard the last few weeks, being on night shift, and Brock has been coaching and running around as well. So tipping and odds and bits and pieces on a Monday afternoon without seeing any lineups or injuries and getting all the questions that we really appreciate from you guys. It's a little bit hard to sort out. We may miss a few people, but if you work through it with us for a few weeks, we'll be back on track. But Fingers crossed it's another good round of Rugby League and there's only one thing left for you to do and that is enjoy your week and enjoy your Rugby League. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 